Hey, and thanks so much for taking a moment to visit our podcast. Our mission at Antioch FBC is to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus and go to our neighbors in the nations. We want you to be encouraged by this podcast and hope even more that you would come be a part of what God is doing in the community of Antioch. To find out more, visit us at www.antiochfirstbaptist.org. And now, stay tuned for a message from Pastor Matt. Hey, this is Pastor Matt. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I got a week of rest this week, and so I hope you look forward to hearing from our guest speaker this morning as they deliver the word. The whole world, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with this top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered throughout the earth. Then the Lord came down and looked over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, if we have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan will do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore it is called Babylon, and there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, John. Well, it's always a privilege to come and proclaim God's word to God's people, and I always look forward to the opportunity when I have it to fill in for Pastor Matt. Um, If you have your Bibles, hopefully you've already turned to Genesis chapter 11. We'll be looking at a, a very familiar story to us, but hopefully thinking through how God might speak to us through this ancient story today. What is it that drives you to do what you do? If you could identify the one thing that shapes and controls all your choices, what would that be? Think about it for a second. Why would anyone put up with a long commute on Interstate 24 for a job? Does anyone actually enjoy doing that? No, but they have a greater purpose, a greater reason for going through that day by day. Think about a husband and wife who decide to have a baby. I don't know many women that actually enjoy the process that they go through and the change that their bodies go through um, when they're pregnant, but the joy that they have when they hold that newborn child outweighs all the pain and change that they go through. I just got back from a, a trip to Denmark this past week, and Denmark is has a special place in my heart. Um, I've went three times for my work, and it's just, for me, it's wonderful to be there where we stay, to meet, to discuss um, 
publishing Bibles with the team that we work with there. But I don't particularly like enjoying the process of getting there. The going through security, the having to prepare and pack, to have enough clothes for the week, um, sitting on a plane for seven to nine hours. Um, it's not my um, idea of something enjoyable. But I do it because I'm glad that I can help my team accomplish our goals of publishing God's Word. Well, in our passage this morning, we'll see a people of great ambition, a people willing to work hard towards a common goal to benefit each other. That sounds like a great society, right? A society we would want to be a part of. But if you're familiar with the story, we know that's not the whole story. By the end of the story, we see that God actually confuses their language in judgment to prevent their sinful, rebellious ways. Even though they had a common purpose, a common goal in mind. It was not directed towards the right ends. And so what is it exactly that we'll see here in the Tower of Babel that, got, that concerned God so much? And for us today, we want to ask, what does this teach us today as we live out our faith in Christ? Well, first, look at the first four verses with me. We'll see that this story reminds us that we often make plans based on our perceived needs instead of God's plan. In verse 1 through 4, it says, The whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered through the whole earth. And so the story starts off as the people um, united across the whole earth with a common language. And they come together and they decide, we're going to use our new technology that we have to build bricks so that we can have a city and a tower that reaches the sky. Now, so far, you might read that and think, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, is urbanization a bad thing? Is it, is it bad to come together and um, build homes together and build towers together in close proximity? But notice in verse 4, they actually give two reasons for why they're wanting to build this tower. On the one hand, it says they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be known for something. And even that sometimes, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We, we think about, and we talk about sometimes about wanting to leave a legacy um, when we leave this earth. We want to be known for being charitable, loving, kind. But look again, look what they say. The second reason, it says they, want, they don't want to be scattered through the earth. And so they want a name for themselves so they're not scattered. And so, it, again, it's kind of hard to kind of put all this together because it's very, um, very short summary of their reasoning. But it seems to me that this is a people that they wanted to be revered and feared throughout the world. 
and they wanted fame, and they wanted people to know who they were, who they were, and they wanted glory and power. And as they gained those things, they believed that they could be secure and defeat any enemies that may approach them. Whatever the reason behind their concerns, also notice what they omit. What's the reason they omit for why they're doing things? They don't say anything about God. It's just about themselves. They say, let us build this city and tower, but they never seek the Lord's will in it. They don't consult Him. Their focus is on their needs and not God's calling. And so the Tower of Babel, it reminds us that we make plans according to what we think our needs are, but we oftentimes forget that the most important thing is asking how does this fit into God's plan. So while we make plans based on our perceived needs, we have to ask ourselves, do we spend time thinking through how that fits into God's plan? Is God's plan something we value? Not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, throughout the week. Is it something that's constantly before us that we're remembering how does my life fit into God's plan? What are my choices that I'm making and how, how do those help promote God's kingdom instead of myself? Well, not only does this story remind us that we're forgetful in including God in our plans, but it's also a warning about the danger in doing so. If you look at verses 5 through 6, we see that God weighs our plans according to his plan. It says, Then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, If they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. Now, in this story right here, um, Moses is actually including something that's humorous in this story. In verse 5, he says, Then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. Essentially, he's saying their intention was to build a tower to the heavens. But it was so small, God had to come down. Now, we know God didn't literally have to come down to see the tower. God is omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He knows everything. He sees everything. But Moses is taking a kind of a jab at the Babylonians here, essentially saying as much as they were unified in purpose, they were ineffective in accomplishing their goals. And we see here that God sees them, and he evaluates their efforts, but he does not approve to the point that he must confuse their language to break that unity. And again, we've already talked about how it seemed like their attitude was selfish and their focus was on what they wanted versus on what God wanted. But when we look at the context before this story, we see even another reason why God judged their plans. When God created humanity, 
He made them in the image of God. And he invited humans into his plan of establishing his kingdom on this earth. And if you're familiar with Genesis 1, 28, he commanded them, after it says he made them in the image of God, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. They were supposed to spread out over the earth and fill it. That's the calling God gave on humans. Unless we think that was only something that was commanded before the fall into sin. After the flood, we see in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, he gives the same command to Noah and his sons. This was something that, even even despite sin, God still had this same plan of establishing his kingdom on earth. Even to the point that in chapter 9, verse 7, he tells Noah to spread out over the earth. But instead of spreading out over the earth, Noah's descendants, the people of Babel, decided they wanted to reject that plan. And they wanted to chart their own path. They wanted a kingdom for themselves instead of establishing God's kingdom on earth. So it's not just that they left God out of their plans. They were actively defying God's calling upon their lives. And that's why God resolved to stop it. And so this story reminds us that God evaluates our plans according to his plan. And he'll act accordingly when we pursue selfish ends that dishonor him. And so again, do you have any major life decisions right now that you're having to evaluate? What's the best course of action? What's your first thought in deciding what to do? Is it yourself or how you can honor God through that decision? Will you decide to live like the people of Babel or the people of God? Next, we see that God does enact his judgment that he said he would on the people. And it's the very thing that they sought to avoid. That's what God punished them with. Look at verses 6 through 7. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon, for there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. And so God actually used this punishment not only to reverse their intentions, they wanted to hole up and stay together. He used the punishment of spreading them out by confusing their languages. But he actually used the punishment to help them continue his plan of establishing his kingdom on earth. It was a way to jolt the people into fulfilling his intention for creation. And when we look at what comes next, we remember that out of these people spreading out, he calls Abraham. And he says to him, I will make your name great. And through your seed, all the nations will be blessed. See, God had a plan not just of establishing his kingdom, but he also had to deal with sin. And through Abraham we know that Jesus Christ came to redeem us from that sin, 
to, so that we can continue to fill this purpose as God's image, God's image bearers in this world so that we can continue to expand God's kingdom through proclaiming the gospel. All who put their trust in Christ, we become a united people again. Despite language barriers, despite cultural barriers, despite nationalities, if we're Christians, whether we're in Denmark or America or England or Africa, we've all been joined together in Christ by receiving His Spirit, and we've all been given a renewed purpose of making God's name great, of making that name known by making disciples. And so this whole story shows us that God accomplishes His purposes and His plan of redemption even despite sinful intentions. And it calls us to align our priorities to His. How are we going to do that? There's a Latin phrase that says, Quorum Deo. And it simply is translated, in the presence of God. As Christians, that's really the whole point of our sanctification, is learning how to live in God's presence. We need to integrate our faith into the very core of who we are and live that out day to day. Again, we need to live not as people of Babel, but as the people of God. As an individual believer, what does that look like? I think part of that is finding ways to remind ourselves throughout the week about who we are and what God has called us to do. That includes Sunday morning attendance and worship. Part of worship is just reminding us that God's in control, we are not, and we are called to follow His plan. But even throughout the week, it can be very easy to forget that. And so that's why we encourage daily Bible reading and prayer and spending time in His Word so that we are reminded of that plan over and over again and reminded who we are. But I found that just sometimes reading the Bible in the mornings, that I can still do that and go throughout my day and completely forget what I read and get so caught up in my day and distracted that I can not live out God. My first reaction is not to seek God in how to make a choice in, in what I should do, but to try to find my own way of doing it. And so even throughout the day, it can be helpful. There are some Christian um, traditions that they spend time in more, they have morning, midday, and evening prayers. And it doesn't take much to do that. We, we can use even our, our technology on our phones to remind us, you know, pray at, mid, pray at noon. Just even a short prayer. Have a little verse of Scripture to read and say a short prayer. And in the evening even, say a short prayer. And that helps keep us oriented towards God's priorities and not ours. As a church, what does it look like to live in the presence of God daily. I think it's important to spend time in prayer, asking God for His vision for this church, 
Are you asking God to accomplish your goals for what you think the church should be doing? Or are you asking God for what is His vision for this church here, where, where He's put you now? My church currently, we've been going through this process of actually seeking God's vision of, of what the next steps are. Uh, a few years ago, we, we were able to get a building, and we've been growing to the point to where we're kind of beyond capacity at that church and at that location. And conventional wisdom says, well, just build a bigger building. But what if that's not what God wants? What if God wants us to take a smaller group and go plant another church? Or take that group and go help revitalize a dying church? I mean, if we're, if we're not careful, we can limit what we think God can do or what God wants to do. Because we think, oh, well, this is, just what, this is just what you do. You get big and you fill in your space, you just got to get a bigger building. But so we've been seeking. We've, we had a time of, a few weeks ago of prayer and fasting together to come because we don't want to do what our plans are. We want to do what God's plans are. Whether or not that's what we think is best, we want God to give us a vision for His church. We know that because ultimately we'll be spending our time doing something that will be not, won't be fruitful for God's kingdom. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. And so we want to seek God in that so that we're building His kingdom in a way that will not be in vain. And even in society, what does it look like to live out God's presence in society? I was just talking to Mr. John earlier, just right before the service, about artificial intelligence. What does it look like for as a Christian approach to think through how artificial intelligence can be used for God's kingdom? It's something I think my kids are going to have to think really long and hard on. And I hope I can prepare them for that. But we know God's word is sufficient to help us answer these questions. And this is what the Tower of Babel, they did. They used technology that was new to them to build in something that they wanted, but it was against God's will. And so we have to evaluate anything in culture, anything in society, whether it's moral values or technology, use of technology, we have to evaluate, is this something that's honoring God or not? I mean, already with artificial intelligence... There are discussions about whether it's okay if pastors use it to write their sermons. I, I was curious one day. I opened up uh, ChatGPT. It's one of the um, common versions of artificial intelligence as far as providing um, answers to questions. It's kind of like a Google search on steroids because it's searching all the Internet and pulling it together. And I asked it to write a sermon on Psalm, Psalm 1, one of my favorite psalms. And I read through it. It's about a thousand words, so it was a very short, you know, maybe a short homily. But I read it, and I was like, there are probably preachers out today that are preaching false gospel and false truths, and this did it better. This preached the word better than they did, in some sense. But is that something that we should be doing? As, as a pastor, has God called me to lay aside my responsibility in studying the Scriptures, in knowing the needs of the people at my church, 
and abdicating that to a machine. Does that honor God? I don't think it does. But it can still be useful. And so as Christians, we have to think through society and these questions as we go forward and asking ourselves, how can we use this to glorify God instead of ourselves? I don't know the answer to this, but what if one day we have robots walking around that we can program to share the gospel with people in different languages? Should we do it? I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of a question that is out there. I think the, the biggest question is, are we ad, advocating, advocating our spons, responsibility in sharing the gospel? I know God has given me that call to share the gospel. And even if I use machines to do it, if I'm not doing it, then again, it doesn't honor God. And so we really, again, have to ask ourselves, in our individual lives, in church, in society, are we honoring God and aligning our priorities with God's priorities for this world? It's a humbling thing to remember that God, He does not need us to accomplish His purposes. We see that with the people at the Tower of Babel. They were trying everything they could to not do that. And yet God is still sovereign and He ensured His plan continued. But it is equally humbling to consider that God still chooses to use us as sinful and flawed as we are to help proclaim the name of Jesus and to accomplish His purposes. We have so many things that are distracting us, so many things that could draw our attention away from God's priorities. And so we need to make sure we're structuring our lives around God's mission to make disciples and to make His name known to the nations. As Proverbs 19.21 says, Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. So let's spend time in prayer right now reflecting on the truths that we've seen in the story today. Father, I ask you right now to search our hearts. Look into our plans. Help us see where our plans do not align with your priorities. Make those known to us right now. Father, I ask now that your spirit works within us to help us today, tomorrow, this week, this next month, this next year, and the years to come. To empower us to prioritize your mission and not our ambitions. 
And Father, help us trust in you. Help us know that no matter what we face in our culture, that we know your decree will prevail. No matter what happens, we know you are sovereign and that in the end, you will accomplish your purposes and we will one day join with the saints, past and present, to praise your name in the new heavens and the new earth. I pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen.